Hope you had a fantastic weekend. Welcome into the Monday, July 6th edition of the podcast with Damian Barling, presented by Vibe Health Bar. We are so happy that you are here. Thank you so much for downloading, streaming. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much uh, for making us a part of your day, wherever you may be. Marshall Harris, the sports director and sports anchor, CBS 13, my partner in crime on television. I had the opportunity to do Sports Sunday and Sports Extra with him on a number of occasions. He's going to join me here in just a little bit, quite a bit to talk about here uh, on this Monday as we're getting closer and closer to teams leaving for Orlando in this metaphorical bubble. As a matter of fact, uh, teams are supposed to start leaving for Orlando tomorrow. Uh, Two teams that will not be leaving for Orlando tomorrow, the Milwaukee Bucks, in your Sacramento Kings, uh, both teams shut down practice facilities on Sunday because of a positive uh, COVID-19 test uh, to a member of their traveling party. So what this means is, and you know, Milwaukee's a part of the conversation too, but we'll focus this here on Sacramento. Someone not named Buddy Heald, Alex Lynn, or Jabari Parker tested positive for COVID-19. Now, the Kings are supposed to leave on to see today's Monday. They're supposed to leave on Wednesday. So it, it, it they're, they're not returning to practice. They're not going to return to individual workouts. The facility is shut down. It's not going to be reopened again. Uh, so the next time that the Kings convene is going to be to do the test and to get on the plane and to get out of here. The interesting thing is uh, whoever this person was, and we don't know at the time of this recording, and as you know, it's 6 a.m. Monday morning. At the time of this recording, we don't know if it's a uh, coach, uh, a trainer. We don't know if it's a player, but that person has to pass multiple uh, coronavirus tests before they can get on a plane and head to Orlando. If this is a test that they, if this was a test that was administered Saturday and they just got it back Sunday, I don't know that this person's going to be able to pass that test before they leave. So if it's a player, it's again, it's it's not it's not the end of the world if it's a player because this. The reason this schedule was built the way that it is, the reason that this schedule was built, you know, with weeks and weeks in advance, it's not just for practice time. It's to figure out what to do if players test positive for this for this virus. And with still, you know, what do we say? It's July 6th. We're still over three weeks away from a game actually being played. We're going to know if the resumption of the NBA season is going to happen before these guys ever step on the floor. And we got a preseason schedule. Uh, I think Friday, we got it sometime this weekend for the Sacramento Kings. They'll take on uh, the Miami heat on July 22nd. They'll take on the Milwaukee bucks on July 25th. And they'll take on the Los Angeles Clippers on July 27th. I think uh, if we don't know before we'll know during, during that three day stretch when teams are doing these, you know, these scrimmage games, when teams are doing these practice games, we'll know if they're gonna, if they're gonna make it, and there are a lot of people who don't think that they're gonna make it, uh, I'm not of that belief yet. But I, you know, you can't, you, you, you've got to enter. If there are sixteen hundred, and this just seems incredibly far fetched, the number that I was told, and it, and it wouldn't be that difficult to do the math on, but you know, we don't do math here on the podcast. The number that I was told, the number of people that are entering that you know, complex, the metaphorical bubble, if you will, is 1600. Can you imagine like right now in this, in this day and age, right? Do you imagine right now at this time, 1600 people all passing a COVID-19 test? Just the numbers in, in uh, just the, the, the numbers in America say that that's impossible, but obviously the precautions for these players, these people, have been very, very different than you and I. They've been very, very different uh, than the regular person. So even in the most extreme measures, it seems it seems virtually impossible for 1,600 people to enter that bubble all at one time with negative COVID-19 tests. And right now it looks like that that's not going to happen. The Bucks, their schedule, I don't know when the Bucks are scheduled to leave. I think they're scheduled to leave on two, I think they're scheduled to leave on Wednesday. So the teams are leaving over a seven, eight, the the seventh, eighth night. They're leaving over Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. As we've talked about, they got a quarantine for you know a day, day and a half when they get there. And just this, this is. Oh, I hate to use the word experiment. 
man, but this is going to be a fascinating thing to watch. This is going to be a fascinating thing to watch in terms of how many players, you know, if, if, if everybody passes that, I mean, obviously, obviously you can't get on a plane unless you have passed back to back COVID-19 test. That's, that's, that's the rule. That's the guideline that is in place. You cannot get on that charter flight unless you have passed back-to-back COVID-19 test. Okay? You get there. You're administered a test immediately. Then you enter the bubble, and then you quarantine for about 48 hours, and then you, and then you take another test. I mean, what happens if, if on that final testing after the 48 hours someone tests positive? It means there's a... It means there's a flaw in the system. And I think as long as the NBA system holds up to scrutiny, as, as long as the integrity of that system remains strong, they might be able to get through this. But if they immediately, upon first round of testing, find that there's a flaw in the system somewhere, whether it's the tests aren't reliable, whether it's the incubation period of the virus is either shorter or longer than originally uh, believed, you know, all of a sudden this whole thing could blow up. This whole thing could just go terribly, terribly wrong. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. You know, we've done a lot of projecting over the course of the last month and what could happen and what might happen. And I guess just the way that things are, I mean, we have to do that in, We have to do that in our everyday walk of life, right? We have to figure out, well, what happens if I decide, you know, to go here? What happens if I decide to go there? Uh, What happens if I got to go back to work? What happens if the, if the boss calls and says, okay, guys, we're going back to the office. You got to wear masks for eight hours a day. I mean, there's a, there's just a lot that you've got to think about that six months ago, we didn't have to think about, you know, when the, when the ball dropped and it hit 2020, everyone was talking about, yo, I got that 2020 vision. Yo, this going to be the year. Little did we know. Joke was on us. So there's 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 just there's so much, you know, there's so much what ifs. This whole every single sport is based off a, a what if scenario right now. And you know, we've as we've talked about a number of times on this podcast, we go back and forth from being able to analyze games, being able to analyze, you know, really like kind of dive in, which is something I mean, we're we're gonna do this week. As teams start to arrive to Orlando, things are going to go quiet for about a three, four, five-day period. I, I want to talk, yo, what about the, do the Clippers got a shot to win this? That's one of the teams that the Kings are playing on the preseason. No, everybody is not, obviously not locally, everybody nationally is down on the Kings and they're in love with the Pelicans. Well, let's look back at some of the things the Pelicans did before the break. And I use the term break very loosely, before the before the mini offseason that they had, before the impromptu offseason. You know, there's, a, there's, there's, there's just a lot of different things you can look at, and quite frankly, none of it matters. Absolutely none of it, because we've never, ever, ever experienced anything like this before. These guys got to come back not only in mid, midseason form, they got to come back in playoff form. You know, and with three scrimmage games, eight regular season games, you know, the teams like the Bucks and the Clippers and the Lakers. I mean, maybe to a certain degree the the Raptors, they've they've got 11 games to kind of figure it out. I saw Serge Serge Ibaka uh talking about his Toronto Raptors a couple of days ago talking about hey, they're they're locked in. Everyone's in great shape. We're ready to go. And I I kind of looked at him and I was like, uh, yeah. I believe it. I believe it. Abaka said, I've been in the league for 11 years. Uh, you could see when people are locked in and they're ready mentally and when they're not. So I can tell you right now, mentally, everybody is ready. Everybody is ready. That's what Serge, Serge Abaka had to say before the team uh, heads to Orlando. They'll be the first team allowed into Orlando because of the, the different restrictions as it pertains to Canada versus the United States. So, uh, they're already there. They're already there. They're in the so-called bubble, and they're ready to party. They're ready to ball. And I keep, I keep looking at the Raptors like, yeah, they could. Like, would you be shocked if the Raptors were in the conference finals at all? I mean, this is, by the way, we're talking about the reigning defending NBA champions. I know Kawhi Leonard's not there anymore. I know it's a different team. But they're a team. They, if, 
if you wrote them off the second that Kawhi Leonard signed with the Clippers, aren't the Raptors massive overachievers right now? And it's, it's, to me, it's ridiculous to say that the Raptors are overachievers because they are the reigning defending NBA champion. I understand Kawhi is gone. They're obviously very, very well coached. I took, I took a massive L on my original thoughts on Nick Nurse. Cause I just it, it, and I didn't I don't know Nick Nurse as a coach like I was it, when when Nick Nurse was hired I didn't try to have this grand proclamation of what I thought he was as a coach I was just confused as to why they kept someone from doing Casey's staff why would you keep say, why would you say that you need a new voice and just bring in someone on the same exact staff I didn't understand that I, I understand now it's clear as day now and it, that whatever my thinking there was was just completely off couldn't have been more wrong. But I saw Serge Ibaka, and I saw him talking to the media, and I thought, man, okay. I w- Raptors versus Bucks wouldn't surprise me. Number one versus number two in the conference wouldn't surprise me. But I don't know how many matchups in the Eastern Conference would surprise me, to be honest with you. It, it feels so wide open. I don't, I, I don't even know what would surprise me in the, in, the, in the Western Conference. There are teams I don't particularly want to see. Like I feel there are a lot of sexy matchups in the Eastern Conference. I don't think the Western Conference is as sexy. I don't find Denver sexy. I know Jokic is, I know we're looking forward to seeing, you know, skinny Jokic go out there and do his thing. I, I don't know. I like Mike Malone. Love Mike Malone. Like most Kings fans do. I don't, I, I, I don't know. They don't move me. They don't excite me. Utah doesn't either. I, again, love Quinn Schneider. Love Donovan Mitchell. I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not like super hyped to see a, I don't know. A Jazz Lakers conference finals, though it's possible. A Nuggets Clippers conference final, I, I, you know, d- d- depending on how the the seedings shake out, of course. And you got Oklahoma City. I've been joking, kind of, for weeks. Watch Oklahoma City sneak into the conference finals. We joked about the Rockets. The Rockets forgetting that it's playoff time, getting in there and and and, and competing in the conference finals. Make plenty of jokes about Mike D'Antoni. Now that now there's starting to be conversations about uh, about coaches who might not be able to to be there. Like Victor Oladipo opted out. Uh, Victor Oladipo, obviously not a coach, but member of the Indiana Pacers. He's decided he's not going to rejoin the team uh, in Orlando for the restart. He's gonna he's gonna sit out. And um, Kevin Pritchard, the president of basketball operations, says, "Hey, they're good with that." The NBA has tried to stress we're good with anybody who doesn't want to be a part of this. Lionel Hollins, uh, Lakers assistant, he's not going to be a part of it as well. He was deemed a higher-risk individual uh, due to some medical conditions that he has, uh, and he's going to be able to. And this this is interesting because this is the first time I'm reading this. Uh, Frank Vogel said he's going to participate in, um, you know, he, he's going to participate as a coach. He's just going to do it remotely. This is the first I've heard that you've been able to do that. It, it it makes complete sense. It's it's not like the people who stay behind are no longer a part of the team. Uh, but I wasn't really sure how that dynamic was going to work because there are a lot of teams that are making decisions that certain coaches, be it them player development coaches or you know second row, kind of lower on the totem pole. Sorry to use that term, but you know, further away from the head coach type coaches. That they, they've got to stay behind. And, and I think Frank Vogel said uh, as much. He said, you know, it, uh, there it is. It, fairly miserable experience was the line that he used. It was a fairly miserable experience trying to put together the Lakers 36-person travel party. And that's been difficult for a lot of teams because you've got to figure, okay, well, what's important to us? Do we need more coaches? Do we need trainers? We know we have to have a video coordinator. We know we have to have a digital media coordinator that's mandated by the league. We've got to have our trainers there and our doctors there. And you've got to kind of start picking apart, okay, what's the most important thing we do? Okay, do we have to have multiple video coordinators there? And do we have to sacrifice, you know, one of the player development coaches to go? Well, it looks like Kyle Hollins was, was, you know, left out of the traveling party for a different reason. There's concerns that Alvin Gentry is not going to be a part of this. Could you imagine? Alvin Gentry, the head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans, can't go. Can you imagine that? That's like that's a that's a that's, it's a game changer, you know. And we haven't, you know, again, teams start to leave tomorrow, and we haven't gotten any any kind of catastrophic shift in terms of a coach like that. And I know people have their eyes on guys like Rick Carlisle, uh, you know, guys who are, are a little bit older. Alvin Gentry, I think, is sixty five. Greg Popovich, you know, he's in his I think seventy one now. 
So everybody kind of had their eyes on him and eyes on them and, you know, what would happen with these coaches who couldn't go. But, you know, now we're learning. It's it's one thing, and, it, and it's good for Lionel Hollins to be able to participate remotely, but it's not, it's not going to be – it's not the same as being on the sidelines. Like, we know that. It's completely different. Uh, we'll get back into the NBA when Marshall Harris joins us here uh, in just a couple of minutes. We'll have some NBA news. Actually, let's hit some NFL stuff here real quick before we bring in Marshall Harris. Friday, we left with FedEx and Nike both putting massive pressure on Dan Schneider and his Washington football team to change their name. It was announced Friday that Washington has begun the process of uh, exploring a name change. Ron Rivera, the head coach of the Washington team, said, uh, it's, it, 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 we, we, I, I hope we can get this done. It would be awesome, and I hope we get it done before the season starts. Uh, we came up with a couple of names. Uh, two of them I really like. There have been rumors that the name are there was there was Warriors. I think there was Generals, which is freaking hilarious. There's no way they'll go with that, but it is very very funny to think about the Washington football team being named the Washington Generals. I've read a couple of different uh, reports and tweets and articles from people in Washington who seem to have a, a strong belief that the name's going to wind up being the Washington Warriors. A report came out this morning, and this is a again, this is this is a big one. We talked about the pressure from FedEx. We talked about the pressure from Nike. Obviously, that got Dan Schneider's attention. There are three minority owners are seeking to sell their shares in the team because they're not happy with Dan Schneider. They got three minority owners who own 40% of the team. The three of them combined, they own 40% of the team. They've hired an investment banking firm to undergo a search of possible buyers. Again, this is all according to the Washington Post. Again, that's it. There is some heavy, heavy pressure on on Dan Schneider and the guy who says, uh, you know, I'm never changing the team name. Never. You could put it in all caps. Is now in a position where he almost has no other choice than to change the team name. And with that uh, report that came out or that statement that came out on Friday, it sure sounds like a name change is happening with Washington, and it sounds like it's happening very, very quickly. Uh, the Cleveland Indians immediately followed suit. Uh, Cleveland Indians announced also on Friday that they were looking into uh, changing their name and changing their branding. And Terry Francona said, I think that's a great idea. I think it's time that we move forward. Uh, the team, their, their announcement was just uh, an initial step. It actually came just a couple of hours after Washington uh, issued their logo. And for Cleveland, I have to imagine they didn't want it. This is a preemptive strike. They didn't want to get to the point that Washington got to where they heard from FedEx and they heard from Nike and they had an investment firm, you know, that handles billions and billions of dollars for those corporations pushing to have their name changed. Cleveland was smart enough to think, I don't want to get that. We're not going to, mm-mm, mm It was a smart preemptive strike by Cleveland and they can draw this out a little bit. This buys them time. This buys them a lot of time. So none of those, none of those messages, none of those statements come in. That's I'm telling you, that 16 word statement that FedEx put out was something. You just don't see statements like that. You don't see remarks like that. You don't see things like that sent to the media. You see big, lengthy. Well, we've been thinking about this and in an effort to be you know, inclusive. That nope, they didn't say that. They say we have approached Washington about changing their name. And we have approached Washington and told them about our desire for them to change their name. That is attention getting. I always say less is more. And what FedEx did with with that 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 was a, that was a game changer for Washington, and I got to believe it was a game changer for Cleveland as well. Uh, we'll talk more about the NFL here uh, in just a heartbeat. Going to bring in Marshall Harris in just a minute. But first, this week on Relive, I am so excited for this one. <laughs> There are only a handful of moments that you can point to and say, that, that changed the wrestling business. Hulk Hogan was involved in two of them. Once on January 23rd, 1984, and again on July 7th, 1996. Relive the angle that made WCW the most talked about company in wrestling. Relive the rumors and excitement surrounding who is the third man. And relive the birth of the NWC. Oh. We are in worship, honey. Whether you like it or not, whether anybody likes it. You people, you know who I am. Hook, hook, hook. What is oh he doing? Oh, my God. Is he the third man? He's 
third man! What oh. the hell is going on here? Hulk Hogan has betrayed WCW! I had an absolute blast putting together this episode. It was so much fun. It was the quickest that I've ever put together a Relive episode. I did it in two and a half days. I wrote the entire script in a matter of hours. I abs- this, this episode was a blast. I forgot how much fun this entire angle was. And as I really kind of just dug into dug into the, to, to the notes and really got into the details, it just dawned on me like this, this was the moment that not only made WCW, it was the moment that kept WCW in existence for the next five years. And I'll explain that, all of that, uh, coming up on Wednesday's episode of Relive. They drop uh, every Wednesday at midnight. Uh, so make sure you check that out. That podcast, that podcast is a, it's, it's a labor of love. Uh, but it hasn't really caught on. I thought wrestling fans would be all over this one, man. I Maybe, maybe I need to do a better job. Uh, promoting it but I think if you'll if you take one listen I, I really think you'll get into this one and if there's any single episode to listen to I think you'll really really enjoy this one obviously Hulk Hogan turning heel for the first time at least the first time since he became Hulkamania uh, in 1996 is is just a pretty awesome moment uh, for every wrestling fan out there I watched Hamilton this week I know I'm not alone in that I'm one of the millions and millions of people who sat down and watched that I thought it was I thought it was incredible I really did enjoy it. Uh, I had wanted to go see it on Broadway. That was virtually impossible back in 2015, 2016, when I was, well, early 2015, when I was still living in Connecticut. But, um, yo, let's pause that thought. Let's bring in Marshall Harris right now. Marshall Harris, uh, CBS 13. Marshall, did you watch Hamilton this weekend? Yeah, I've seen it. Did you see it before this weekend? Like, did you see it live? Oh no, no, no! I, I, I only saw it because it's on Disney Plus. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, I, man. We, I wanted to see it so bad on Broadway. Are you a musical person? Like, do you like plays, Broadway, the whole thing? I do like them. I just never have time for them because I'm always working at night. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, right. It, just, it just, it just doesn't. Like, my last job in Philly, I worked weekends, so like, it just wasn't highly conducive. And those tickets were hard to get anyway. Oh my gosh. Oh, they were um, so, so when it first hit the scene, I was like, it's like what, 2015, 2016, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I heard about it. I knew about it. My friends, I had friends who saw it. They're like, you got to go check this out. I just never got around to it. And now who knows when plays will be yeah, back. Man. Yeah. Broadway that's, shut down for the season. That's when I got, uh, that's I, I was in Connecticut when I got into to, to plays. I was never really big into musicals or plays or anything like that. But then I was within striking distance of, of New York, New York, of Broadway, yeah. and then all of a sudden it was like, yo, let's go to see The Lion King, and that was an experience, and then it was like, and then kind of, you know, going to Broadway just became you know, part of the, you know, yearly traditions, but I remember when Hamilton came out, it's like, oh, yeah, you got to go see it. It was booked for years, and then the tickets became like like $2,000. It was like, well, I guess I'll just have to wait. And Yeah, I think, I think the thing about um, plays and musicals is you forget how hard it is to act live until you go see one and it just gives you a much deeper appreciation because we live in a streaming on demand society you know yeah um where you know i just throw on whatever i want to throw on whenever i want to throw on and the work that goes into live performances gets kind of discounted um unless you actually experience and then you realize oh this is you, like even if you have seen plays, most people see them when they're kids, youngers, whatever. And then it's 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 a lot, man. And uh, I used to work at the Wells Fargo Center. That's where my old station is, and inside the Wells Fargo Center. So we saw stuff all the time. Concerts, I get it, like because I I've seen a lot of concerts for free. Just like I'm in the building. Oh, who's in the, who's who's in the building tonight? And you would just go watch 45 minutes, hour long part of a concert. But like plays and musical and that one specifically, yeah, yo, that was, I, and what's funny is the first twenty minutes, I was like, I don't see what the hype is about. Yeah, but by the end, I was like, okay, they told a story, and like the post, the post death scene, if you will, yeah, um, that was that was that was that got me a little bit in the emotions. Yeah, that was, it was brilliant. That was that it, it was incredible. I, I I was like you though. It started and it kind of I needed a minute to register. Like oh. Okay, so there's no dialogue. Like, they're just going from song to song to song, song to song to song, song, to song yes, and yes. that's the dialogue. There's no actual, because, you know, a lot of musicals, there's like musicals, dialogue. Yeah. They and then you break into a number. Right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. The, the, whole, the whole Hamilton piece was the number, and it was like, okay. And I thought, oh, man, 
this is really going to mess with my attention span. Like, am I going to be able to pay close enough attention to follow the story? And man, I was locked into that. I thought, I thought it was worth every, every bit of hype it's gotten, man. I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah. Like I said, it, it took me a minute to catch on, but by the end I was like, okay, I, I get it now. I get it. Yeah. That final um, scene with, with Burr and Hamilton was the, 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 or that wasn't the final, final scene, but that, right. That duel. Oh my gosh. That was incredible. Exactly. So you've been, you've really, I mean, you've never stopped working. What, what is the last couple of months been like before we dive into the Kings? What you're, you're basically, you do, you're doing sports hits from home. We used to, you know, <laughs> hang out together on Sundays. Like how is this all working? I mean, it's working by a thread, I guess. Uh, no, it's not, it's not that bad. Uh, this is something that a lot of people are dealing with in my industry. So you just kind of get used to it. It's kind of a, this is what it is. Get through it. And hopefully things will get better at some point, but you don't know the when it's going to get better. There is no light at the end of the proverbial tunnel. As right. of now. There are like cracks where you're like, oh, maybe that's a light. But realize you, you get up close, you're like, oh, no, that was just a crack of light coming in. That's not the actual end of this tunnel, if that makes sense. No, it uh, does. And that's why that's why I think all of these leagues, you know, that's why I think the NBA is doing what they're doing. That's why I think Major League Baseball is doing what they're doing. And honestly, I think that's why a lot of people are you know, I think the appropriate term is acting out why a lot of people aren't adhering to social distancing and masks and things like that, because they look at it like, man, this is never going to end. Like there's no end date to this. It's not like, right. well, things are going to be better in January. Things are going to be better in February. It's like, man, we might be, do this is, this might be life forever. I'm not going to go so far as to say forever, because but that's what it what, feels like. Yeah. The only thing that makes it not feel like that for me is, you know, I'm over here in, in our business uh, as a country and you see everybody else's business, what other countries are doing. And you're like, it can happen. Like yeah. we, we can tackle this. If we, as a collective uh, society do it, it can happen. And sports can go back. And even the way we have it lined up now, I think the NBA better than anybody else right now has a chance. Okay. I really do. Uh, the NBA, everybody's leaving the 22 teams um, for Orlando and when they get there, we're going to find out really, really quickly what's what. Uh, with the way it's scheduled, teams going back to actually practicing as opposed to these individual workouts. Mm -hmm. 22 teams, one bubble. And I say bubble with air quotes because, yeah. as you know, workers are coming and going. So it's not a complete bubble, but they're not going to have contact in theory with uh, the players and staff. I, I don't know how all that's going to work, but, you know, put your power ring on that tells you that somebody close to you is getting sick or whatever. I want one like, of those just, so bad. I want a they, ring that just goes Doo -doo, danger, Doo -doo -doo, danger. Yeah. Danger. Will Robinson, you know, like it, it's, it's crazy, Damien. And, um, I I'm just really anxious to see, you know, the seventh, eighth night. Those are the three days that there's over time bringing in all the teams. Let me know what things are looking like on July 11th. Yeah. On, on on Saturday. You, you tell me what they look like then. And if there's only like a couple of cases and they can quickly self-quarantine, okay. But if there's like a handful of cases, that's trouble, man, because well, everyone's everyone's around each other. Yeah, and the, That's the thing about being in a bubble. You are with the people you're with in a bubble. What are they going to do if five players on one team gets it? Is the season over? Once they get there, they got to lock themselves in their rooms for I think it's 36 to 48 hours which makes sense which is completely they, they got to get tested and you need the test results so back. like you but see this, that's going to be such an amazing initial round of testing because I don't imagine anyone is getting on that charter plane without having passed two positives within the you know the 48 hour or two uh to test in the 48 hours prior. So you get right. on the charter, you get to Orlando and you self quarantine if there is one positive test there's a problem just one because you 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 it, it, it and even if the problem is uh an issue in testing that means there was a there was a crack somewhere because right. I, what you you mentioned what's it going to look like on July 11th well on July 11th the numbers should be zero what does it look like on July 20th what does it look like when the game is supposed to I keep thinking Marshall dude we're still like 3 weeks away from a game being played over 3 yeah. weeks away yeah the scrimmages will t like what I'm the, the two key dates for me are July 11th when you're supposed to know for a fact who is and who is not positive. Right. And that's why. And that's why you have like the multiple, the multiple negative tests. If you come up positive, right. You can't just test negative once. And then the second date is that 
week before the season restarts with the exhibition games. Mm-hmm. If they go into those exhibitions and there's more than a couple of cases, that's a problem, man, because now they're playing not just with each other, because remember, that's when full practices start when they get there, but they're also now playing with other teams. Yeah. So if there's one guy, the exposure is is is, is maximized. Um, I, I don't know, Damian, but I know this. If the NBA is not working out by then, yeah. Major League Baseball doesn't have a chance. Yeah. Major I mean, League Baseball does not have a chance. And football, are you kidding? You know how many players show up for training camp? And I know they're talking about cutting back that numbers, those numbers voluntarily as teams. Like, we can't have 80, 90 guys over here. Um, but th- just that in and of itself, you're going to have to have, like, the offense practice over here and the defense practice over here and maybe be in separate locker rooms at this point because it's just too many people in too confined of a space, period. I'm trying to envision a situation where, like, Mike McCarthy or, or, I don't know, John Gruden, Mike Mayock, their coordinators, their coaches, like, they're walking around in masks. I'm trying to envision a scenario where they're, they're holding training camp with masks on. Or, you know, maybe the public uh, relations person or the media person. Because, like, I don't know what training camp is going to look like. I don't know what the next month, because, you know, again, we're only three weeks away from the start of training camp in the NFL. I'm trying to figure out whatever it is, come September you know, 12th, 13th, whatever that day is that, that the Kansas City Chiefs are supposed to, you know, receive their ring and unveil that banner in a completely empty Arrowhead Stadium. Everything right. that happens between now and then is inconsequential because the NFL is operating towards that one date. Our game is going to be played on that Thursday night. Listen, Damien, all you have to do is look at the ratings year over year mm-hmm. and look and see what the top rated programs are. Yep. And it's, it's football and football and then more football. Yep. And when I say football, I'm not talking about college. I'm talking about the NFL. So you're absolutely right. The money is just massive. It's extraordinary. Now, yep. now they, they do have the rolling schedule in place mm-hmm. um, where, you know, they can pick it up whenever and then put like, let's say they start week four instead of week one. And then the last three weeks would become, I'm sorry, the first three weeks would become the last three weeks. That, that's one thing I'm looking at. But here's the overall, overall sports is just a microcosm of our society. Yeah. And you see where society is right now. Yeah. And it is, it is scary. And, and it, even if, even if, right, because there's a lot of the argument people use, even if the virus is not deadly per se, even if it's not as crippling as, as, as maybe worst case scenario, you still can't have people out here with the virus playing sports from a morality slash liability standpoint. Liability, that's the one. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably should have said liability first. Yeah, that's the I'm one. But I'm trying to be no, I idealistic you. and yeah. say morality. Yeah. Uh, and, but, and, but I got to remind you, though, we're talking about the NFL. Remember this. This was a league that for years de- denied head trauma and concussions. Like th- th- it's the same league. Like, come on now. Yeah, yeah, and you know, lift every voice and sing is supposed oh, to cure all ills. Well, so well, you're wait right. a minute, Marshall. Right. Lift every voice and sing for one week. Yes, one week, not for sixteen. One. Let's not get carried away. Just for hey, one week. Did you guys see what NASCAR did in uh, Talladega? We should rip that idea and make it bigger. <laughs> yeah. Right. So like I yo, I'm I'm with you hundred percent. And I I if the, if the que- if it ever starts, by the way, with did you see what NASCAR did? That's a <laughs> that's a terrible, terrible start. Oh, I, you know what? I'll give NASCAR credit because they're they're under new management per se. It's a different group than uh that's leading NASCAR than when I was working. I'm sorry. When I was growing up in Alabama and went to school in Mississippi and came back to work in Alabama, um, I'll give them credit in making progress. But your overall sentiment is not lost on me. It's different management, but isn't it the same family? It's the it's well, the, it's it's different different ideas in terms of where we need to go with okay. being inclusive as opposed to protecting this space. I got gotcha. you, and and that's the biggest that's the biggest. Uh, thing that I've noticed is a guy who's followed the sport all his life somewhat in a recreational way, but mostly in a, I just want to see what progress is made way. I am looking at the players to see how much they will and will not put up with major league baseball owner of the strongest union. Some would argue 
in the history of unions. Their players are opting out left and right. And, and, and not only opting out, but talking about opting out. Mm-hmm. Like, it hasn't happened yet. But if Mike Trout takes his ball and his bat and his glove and goes home, yeah. even, if, even though he's not the most visible superstar ever, he's not Ken Griffey Jr. in terms of uh, how well people know him. Barry Bonds, um, even, say, Bo Jackson. Like, his name doesn't ring as true outside the, the, the actual baseball fans. Right. If he did that, it would be quite the move Mm -hmm. and everyone would have to take notice inside and outside of the sport. Um, You know, David Price has already opted out. Well, I I feel like a lot of people are thinking like Buster Posey, like Buster Posey, like openly, like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just going to monitor it and see how it goes. I think that's the way a lot of players are thinking. He's just the only one who said it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I think, I think you're absolutely right. Um, It's a wait and see approach. If two weeks from now, let's say a hundred players opted out. Would you be surprised? I no, wouldn't No. Mm-mm. And a hundred's kind of a tame number because that's what three, three players on every team. Yeah. Uh, a little more than, um, but if and it's that's the why right, they have the if it's squads. the right three players. Right. Right. We'll see. I mean, you know, I covered the, the Phillies for a decade and as of right now, the guy that would be their opening day starter, Aaron Nola, he's like on the COVID list. Mm. That doesn't mean he actually has it, but, you know, he hasn't been cleared to join the team yet. Um, it, it, it matters who, you're right. Um, but more than that, I think these athletes having the right to say no, it, it's certainly their right. I don't begrudge anyone who says, I'm not doing this. I mean, it'd be different if things were normal, but Damien, there's a reason I've been working from home for the last three plus months. Right. Yeah. So, like, how am I going to, yeah. like, well, I, I get it. Not just that, it's, it's the reason that you've been uh, taking part in your, your normal media scrums with the Sacramento Kings uh, through Zoom. And exactly. you've been able to uh, sit in on those all week. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, uh, Harrison Barnes, Kent Bazemore's presser just hit me in the gut, him talking about leaving his family. Um, it seems like a lot of the talk has been about Marvin Bagley and his appearance uh, what is your like? What, how do you feel about the you know these upcoming eight games? We know where Marvin Bagley was before uh, everything shut down in March, and it's been a long time since he's played. I think Luke Walton acknowledged as much. What do you think we see from the former number two overall pick? Here's the thing that's working in Marvin Bagley's future or in his favor, I should say. Uh, number one, the fact that he's gonna finish the season when. Last time we checked before the season was suspended, yeah. we didn't know if he was even going to come back. Right. Like the season was a wash. He can be valuable in a couple of ways. Number one, I have him as the Kings X factor. Like if he can come in and produce, that's a big deal for the Kings. Um, don't know what he's going to be like defensively. Cause how much can he have really grown defensively from not participating in practices and, and, and getting actual game time and, and learning. But here's the thing he has going in his favor. He's got not only fresh legs, but as teams around the NBA, all 22 of them are trying to gel and figure things out. He slides in there as another guy who's just trying to gel and figure things out. Mm -hmm. It's not like he's trying to come back to a fully operational Kings machine that was rolling to a seven and three record out of the all-star break. He's joining a bunch of other players trying to re-gel and figure it out. I think that is, is, is an advantage that he has and he has to take advantage of it and make things happen. I'm not even looking at the eight seeding games yet. I think the biggest blessing for the Kings is those three exhibition games and the level of competition that they'll face Mm. in theory in those three games. No one that they're going to face in the eight seeding games has more talent on their rosters uh, than the the, the teams that they're going to face in the exhibitions. Sure. And I don't know how much their superstars are going to play for other teams, but they're going to have a measuring stick really, really quickly in terms of how much improvement they need to make after those three games, if they're going to win five, the five or six games necessary to make it into that play in series. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a great point. And I, I don't want to veer too far off topic, but how much do you know about like, you know, normally we would call these preseason games. Obviously we can't call them preseason right. games. So we're calling them scrimmage games. But when I think of a scrimmage, I think of like shirts and skins. And I think, I don't think of TV timeouts. Like, is this like just a, is this just a regular game like a, a, a that just doesn't count? Like, is it like a what, what you would call a preseason game? Or are we talking about very little structure here to to these games, like an actual scrimmage? I think it has to be 
an actual structure because remember this isn't just preseason for the players the officials sure uh, the coaching staffs um i I think and and it's not like you know a normal preseason schedule you got what four to six games depending on if you're out of the country or not and all all the different factors a lot of these teams are fighting for playoff spots slash position um they have to get it together in three games like outside of maybe the bucks and the lakers they got to get it together in three games. Well, the Bucks um, do too. Remember how much the uh, remember how injured Milwaukee was. Milwaukee was cruising to seventy wins when things you know about two weeks before things got shut down, and then all of a sudden they lost, and it was like, oh, they lost another one. Like, oh, they lost a third. Okay, well, seventy wins is gone. But what are they going to look like with all of these injuries? And now, good four months off before the playoffs start, and suddenly it looks like, all right, let's see if they can get back into a rhythm that they've seemingly had through the entire year, with the exception of those final two weeks before things were shut down. I think the the biggest thing for them is knowing that you know, yes, you're right in that they were by their by their relative to what they had done earlier, they were sputtering a little bit mm-hmm. heading into the 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 suspension, but. The fact that they have a six and a half game lead on the Raptors with eight games to play tells me they can use the actual eight seeding games to do all of what you just said. Sure. The okay. exhibitions don't the exhibitions don't matter as much to them. I and gotcha. same thing with the Lakers who are five and a half games up on the Clippers. But you look beyond that, the Clippers are only a game and a half up on the Nuggets, so they can be hawked down, certainly. And and you look at uh, at the other side, maybe the Raptors are okay in the two seed because they've got a three game lead on the Boston Celtics for the, the second seed. It's like, how how much can you do to make sure you don't have to face the Bucks or the Lakers in before the conference finals? Yeah. I guess is the way I'm looking at it. And for the other teams, um, whether it's the, you know, the Kings, the Sun, well, I'm not going to throw the Suns in there. But the, <laughs> the Kings, the Kings, the Grizzlies, the Blazers, the Pelicans, uh, maybe the Spurs, just because I'll give, I'll give somewhat respect to, uh, pop even though no lamarcus aldridge yeah um they 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 have they have to start off red hot and the king's schedule is in their favor in that the first game they face is against the spurs without lamarcus aldridge they can put a fork in the spurs game one and then they've got the orlando magic they can handle them and they're two and oh and once you're two and oh you're feeling good about yourself you've got some confidence and now it's like okay what can you do with these last six games? But they got to win the first two games. If they don't win the first two games, it's over. It's just like it's just like Kings fans and Kings media to come off the first game into a bubble. And go, yep, that's a must win. Again, yeah, it's, it's, because, it's, it's a must of, win. It's because of who the competition is and the reality that even if you're no games back for the nine seed at the end of the season, you can still lose out yep. on percentage that's points because right. yeah. you didn't get your game in with the Pelicans the night of. I mean. They'd be sitting so much prettier if they had been able to play that game against the Pelicans and win or One. lose. Well, because even if they because even if they lose, now you don't have to play the Pelicans in these final eight games. It's going to be somebody else, probably of weaker stature, sure. and the Pelicans probably have to play the Grizzlies like they were supposed to in their next eight games twice. Yeah, and now they only have to play them once. DeAndre Ayton cracked me up the other day. He said, "Yeah, was, yo, we're thrilled. You know, we know people are looking past us, but we're happy that the NBA, you know, saw us, you know, and thought we were good enough to return." And I'm like, DeAndre, dude, they needed an even number. Like that's the reason the Suns are going, man. Is they needed an even number? That's hurtful. That's hurtful. I, but I mean, like, come on, man. I was talking about the Raptors uh, earlier before you joined us. Hey, I think the Raptors could sneak in there. Like, w- would you be shocked if the Raptors were in the conference finals? We're in the conference finals? Absolutely not. Who's who are you looking at outside of the Bucks and say they're better? They're definitely better than the Raptors and can beat the Raptors. Well, that's the thing about the Eastern Conference is it like I like obviously I like the Celtics, but I I can't say anybody is definitively better. Once I get past the Bucks, at least I can't say anybody is definitively better than anybody. Whether it's the Raptors, I mean the Heat are. The, the, the Heat are kind of under the radar, very, very good. I have to assume this break is going to do Philadelphia a whole lot of good. Uh, I don't, you know, Victor Oladipo being out for Indiana is a big kick in the stomach, but, I mean, there, there are some really good teams in the Eastern Conference. What's crazy about the Sixers that you mentioned, yeah, they're, they, they should be better. Ben Simmons was kind of in the same situation as Marvin Bagley in terms of they didn't know if he was even going to be back and he'd be able to help them, but now he's got new life. Clearly, they're in the sixth spot right now. Mm-hmm. They would face the Celtics in the first round, who they have dominated this season. That's what they'd love. 
The issue is if they move up, that means they're either five or four. You know what that means? Mm-hmm. That means you got to see the Bucks early. Yeah. Who wants to see the Bucks early? Yeah. So they're almost better off staying down in the sixth spot. Like where they are is perfect, but there's no home court advantage. That makes it even more perfect. Mm-hmm. So like, what do you? If you're the Sixers, who could easily win seven or six, six to eight games, because that's how easy their schedule is. How how high the highest you can probably climb is to the four or five spot. It does you no good. It does you no good to see the Bucks, unless you think you can just beat the Bucks. Which, because of what the, what you said about the way the Bucks have been playing, I, I think they offer a unique challenge. I, I mean, Christmas it's unique, Day was a long all right. Time ago. <laughs> it's unique. It's big. It's fast. It's strong. It's unique. It, it, listen, Christmas Day was a long time ago, but I know you remember what happened Christmas Day because that was like one of the five games on. Dude, Christmas they, Day was like seven oh, years ago. <laughs> they obliterated the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I, I think there's only like three teams that can beat the Bucks in a best of seven. Um, How do you the, possibly this, remember what happened Christmas Day? I can't remember um, anything before Kobe. Nothing. Because back, because you know why? You know how I can remember? Because back then I was allowed to hang out with people and I was visiting my oh, sister that's in right. <laughs> and it was beautiful. And we watched the Sixers obliterate the Milwaukee Bucks. It, it, it actually took me a minute to remember the China story was this NBA season. That was, I mean, that was before the season. It was but October, yes. yeah. It was, but yeah. it was this yeah, season. No, no, no. You're right, and and that's that's what makes it all so fascinating. Like, I hate the circumstances, but to witness something like this, what you hope is, and I'm knocking on wood hard here, a once in a lifetime pandemic, uh, is truly like crazy, dude. It's crazy. Spanish it's... flu, 1919, like. It's crazy. I just thought of this. What if the Rockets win the NBA championship? Oh, that, then the hate—the hate will be large. Oh my the gosh! The in—the invalidation of of them doing it will be. Oh, quite large. but but put all of that aside. Think of how the season started. The season started with Daryl Morey in in China, and he was at the centerpiece of all of this. And then to bring it full circle and win the most. There's no asterisk. I, I think all of that stuff is stupid. But you could call it the most unique. NBA championship in history. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone's arguing that. James I mean, Harden might not know it's playoff time, man. He'd be like, man, this is July. We good. We ain't got nothing to worry about. We're just July. It's August. We're good. September. And, and you know what? The Rockets had started to figure things out in terms of how that was going to work with Harden and Westbrook. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll give you credence there. And what were they um, call? I forgot what they were calling that lineup. It wasn't the small lineup. It was like the micro small lineup or something like that where no one was with, over no, what? With, Six six, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, PJ was their big man. <laughs> True story. So, so, so yeah, you're right. You're right in that respect. Um, you know, I a, a team like Oklahoma City could 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 run up and, and mess somebody up. That's what I mean. You know? Like, I think there's going to be a weird team in the conference. Out of the four teams, I think there's going to be a, a a woe in the conference finals. That the second round in both conferences is going to be, regardless of who makes the playoffs, is going to be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Bloodbath. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm ready for that. I'm with that. And I, I do think the Kings, I don't know what your stance is on this. I think the Kings have to win five games. And it, I would say this five games if you sweep the Pelicans. Pelicans yeah. s- six games if you split with the Pelicans. So six and you're and in. And you're, and you're in the play in. You're in the nine seed and you're within you're within striking distance. You're, you can, you got to beat whoever does finish with the AC twice. The wild thing about the Kings is if they went eight and O oh, like, okay, this is validation for the way that they were playing at the end of the year. And if they went O oh and eight, it's equally not surprising because they had an, I mean, this, this is a team. The fact that the Kings are even remotely in the conversation is pretty extraordinary. Given they had an eight game losing streak earlier this year in which it felt like they were never going to win another basketball, the game again. They had a five-game losing streak, and they had a six-game losing streak all in this season, and they still have an opportunity to get up there because everybody has written off the Memphis Grizzlies. They don't count at all. The fact that they have the best record over a 60-some-odd, 65-game sample size, I think, uh, is, is completely irrelevant. They had the easiest record over that 65-game streak, though. That's why. It's not, like without, it's not without reason. Memphis had a cake schedule, and they got – they got Man. they got off not having to face the hardest part of their schedule in its entirety. We get so wrapped up in these schedules as if no, we don't no, see. I'm not going to let it slide, D- Damien. I'm not going to let it slide. The fact that they don't have to play the the Pelicans as many times as they're supposed to play the Pelicans. I'm not going to let it slide. I won't. I refuse to. 
I refuse. There, it means something when you're facing the the Timberwolves and the Warriors and, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Hawks. That means something. They didn't play them for 65 games, though. Okay, that, that's that's fair. But if you if you go look at the, the what the rest of their schedule was supposed to be, it's like you were facing a playoff team, not somebody barely in the playoffs, but like a legit playoff team like every night. So here's what people like choose to forget, and, this, and, and, and I hate to go all blame the national media on this because we know how badly the national media wants to see the Lakers and the Pelicans in the first round of the playoffs, and I get the sexiness. I get the attraction of the storylines there. But let's not forget, you. We, we were talking about, you know, sputtering. We were talking about what the Milwaukee Bucks were doing. The Pelicans had lost a handful of games that you got to look at and go, dude, like, what, like what, what are you doing? If, if the season had just continued where it was, you pointed this out earlier. I'll point it out again in just kind of a different fashion. That okay. game at the Golden 1 Center was monumentally important for both teams. That game we never saw was just stunningly important because the Pelicans hadn't been playing well. The Pelicans had dropped games to below 500 teams leading into that. They needed to get themselves right. They were kind of winning two, losing two, uh, winning one, losing one. They had never got on that roll, but now we're acting like, oh, they're world beaters all of a sudden because they had four and a half months off. I'm not saying that they're world beaters, but they were playing much better, and they had already played the toughest part of their schedule. So they had an easier schedule remaining. I believe it was the easiest schedule because we were doing the yeah, full 82. It was. So like that's why I I understand what you're saying you got to play the games on the schedule whatever, but let's be honest, like some of those games everybody loses games to teams that are worse than them given night whatever, but over the course of 82 games, the better teams are going to win more times than not. Over the course of 65/73 games, it's a different story. I'm 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 just saying, yeah, especially if you cut out like the hardest part of somebody's schedule, like cut out two thirds of the hardest part of the schedule and cut out two thirds of the easiest part of the schedule. That's going to affect teams. And at the end of the day, you're right. Everybody just got to play. You got to lace them up and go AAU style in the gym. You're playing at 10 a.m. in the morning uh, Pacific time. Yeah. The Kings. <laughs> like like their schedule's crazy. But you know what? They're there. They have an opportunity. Win six games. Five if you sweep the Pelicans. I know you want it to happen, but do you? I'm not even saying I want it to happen. No, no, no. I want to be entertained. No, I. But but what I'm saying is, I know you want this to happen, but do you think we crown an NBA champion this year? I mean, that's <laughs> that's a question loaded with. I know. That's why I ask the tough questions, man. I'm a broadcast journalist. Listen, I do. I do think we crown an NBA champion. Okay. I do. I hope I do. you're right. I, I think we do. And I think a lot of there will be a lot of things going on outside the bubble, mm-hmm. perhaps, that are going to be like people, you know, people already are like, why are we trying to play sports, right? I think as this gets worse, if it gets worse, and the, the videos I've been watching all week can tell me it might get worse before it gets better. Um, people are going to be like, does it even matter? Mm-hmm. And, and I think it, it, it won't matter, but it will matter, if that makes any sense. Like, grand scheme of things, no, it won't matter. But a, a little slice of normality. It'll even matter. Things shouldn't, I, I, shouldn't, shouldn't, things shouldn't feel normal. That, the, yeah. the issue I have with it is things shouldn't feel as normal as crowning an NBA champion will make things feel. Yeah. On, on two fronts. Which, on, the, on the coronavirus front and on the, like, what's going on in society front. And that NBA champion will be crowned about a month before the November election. So who knows what the fall holds? Who knows what the fall going into the winter holds for uh, not just sports, but really the world for us? You could have like a a critical game four, five, six, seven of the NBA finals going head to head with a presidential debate. Yeah. Like that's where we're at. For real. Yeah. That's where we are. Yeah. Man, you know what you should do? Um, Since you're working from home, man, you you should do a podcast. I know, oh, I know you and I have never discussed this idea before, but you, you should do a podcast. <laughs> I, 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 I've just got, I've got to, it's just, it feels right. You're sitting at home. Why not? You're talking about sports. You're studying sports. You got to get ready for your sports show. You should do a podcast along the way. You got things to say. Damien, I, I do have things to say, but I, you know what the problem is? I don't have enough concentrated things to say. Like I want to talk about this, that, and the other. But hey, it's what your I've podcast. Podcasts, what I've learned about podcasts is you've got to have, some type of thematic 
thing going on uh, that I, I don't right now. I just I'm too scatterbrained to focus on one thing. In Marshall's very, mind. How about that? That's the, the name of the podcast. Boom, right there. I thought of that just a second. <laughs> In Marshall's mind. That's the name of the podcast. I'm going to keep working just, on you, man. I'm going to get you to do nah, one. I, 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 if, I, if I can not be, I, I would have a better chance of doing a podcast if I wasn't working from home. Right now, the lines are so blurred between <laughs> home and work. Right. That it, it, is daily, it is uncomfortable on a daily basis. It is something that, I'll be honest, mentally, I have struggled with. Um, you know, I, when, when this all happened, the, the, the pandemic, uh, the week of March 13th, you got to remember I was going into what was going to be, and you know, this oh, yeah. were part of the festivities, mm-hmm. what was going to be the single most, um, difficult and busiest week professionally, uh, of my time here in Sacramento and maybe period, mm-hmm. because we were getting ready to do hour long post game shows coming out of. March Madness, which was being held locally uh, at Golden One Center, which obviously got canceled the week of, but also an exhibition game between the San Francisco Giants and the Sacramento Rivercats yeah. at at what was <laughs> what was going to be Sutter. I mean, what was Rayleigh Field now Sutter Health Park, and we were doing a pregame show for that as well, and still doing our Sunday night show, and we accounted for about you know seven extra hours of television that week. And it's harrowing just those responsibilities. So it's nice to have a break, but I know when sports comes back, we're going to be doing post-game shows out of CBS NFL broadcasts, out of 49ers preseason games, if the NFL preseason even happens. Who knows what we'll be doing Kings-wise with our limited access because we, we're not paying the $50,000 to go try to be a Tier 2 member of the media in the bubble. Sure. Um, so it's 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 – it, it's a lot, man. And mentally I've really struggled with it. And I, it's, that's, that's all I got. I'm struggling with it. So like, I'm, I'm having to remind myself, don't try to do too much because we're in a pandemic and, and take care of my mentals and the podcast right now. Anyway, it's just an idea that I just don't feel comfortable taking on because I'm, I'm crazy. And so I would want to do it all out and get upset and frustrated. And then I would obsess over it. What are you talking about, man? Bro, have you ever listened to my show? Like this show is therapeutic for me, man. Like that day, what was it? June 1st. That show I did on June 1st was one of the most therapeutic things. I was in tears doing that show. And as soon as it was over, I was like, whew, I felt better. I did a show hours after Kobe Bryant died, man. That's what people tune into you for, man. They want to hear you sure I've made an ass out of myself on a podcast at time. Or we two, all do. If you can't, if you say, if you can't, if you can't make fun of yourself, laugh at yourself, yeah. um, self-deprecation, if you, if you don't have at least a minor in self-deprecation, you aren't cut out for this business. These, I mean, the people who have, who have been so, you know, the people who take the time to download these shows each day and go over to the subscription service on Patreon and all of that stuff, man, they are, they are my therapy. Uh, they've helped me through uh, this pandemic. They've helped me through Black Lives Matter. They've because we started Black Lives Matter four years ago. We're not new to the game in terms of talking about it in sports media. I know it's sexy and trendy today, but man, we've been on this road a long time. So, all right, I'm not gonna push. It doesn't mean I'm not gonna bring it up again. No, you, you're not pushing now. You'll pull later. I already know. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> I remember. It, to, so to give to give people just like a little bit more context, I, if if memory serves me correctly, I did the sports Sunday with Sarah the Sunday before, or like everything ended, and I saw your schedule, and I had never seen the you know Marshall's got this big you know calendar, uh, this big you know whiteboard calendar, and I had never seen. So much, so much marker on that calendar before <laughs> between the training camps and all of the difference and, 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 you know, the different March Madness and you had a show after every single game. And it was like, I just remember texting you like, hey, uh, I'm around because I, I, I know you're going to need it. And um, yeah, I, I'm just knowing watching it, it slowly shut down. I was like, oh, my heart was sinking because I know we were going to have some fun TV time ahead of us. True that, true that. I mean, that's the the reason I do what I do is for, for 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 fun. Yeah, I like to inform, I like to educate, but I wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun. And that that's my biggest thing is is having fun. And some of the joy has certainly been sucked out of this career for me with everything that's gone on in the last four months. Um, just 
professionally, personally, all of it. But here's the thing, Damien. I know I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. And I know that other people are going through it way worse than me. I have a job. I'm, I'm grateful for that. I still have a platform. I use that. And that is what helps, as you said, therapeutically kind of get through this. Um, even though I, I still can't see a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I know it's, 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 uh, they're not in the, in the majors yet, but minor league soccer is coming back with USL a week from July 13th. It's, it's, uh, yeah, July 13th. They're playing a home game in front of no fans. I'll be there talking about what's going on. And it'll be a taste of, hey, sports might come back. Yeah. We don't know if we're doing a high school football show. You know why? We don't know if there's going to be high school football. Right. Like, yeah. it's just, there's so much up in the air right now. And, and that's part of the challenge slash excitement slash anxiety slash whatever, whatever you want to put um, the feelings. There's just so much going on right now. And it, I'm glad that your voice is out there. I'm glad that you have people that listen to this show. I'm glad I'm on the show and to talk about it. You can, you know, you can holler at me whenever I'll, I'll do whatever um, because it, we need outlets yeah. and, and this is certainly an outlet to talk about what's going on on the court, off the court, um, you know, in the television set and in the, in the real world. Marshall Harris, CBS 13. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me anytime, Damien. By the way, for those that didn't catch that, the reason he was laughing that entire time when I asked him about the podcast is because I've been hounding him about it for months now. I just can't get him to can't get him to give in. He is he is picky about his work, and he would want to you know do what we do here and donate hours upon hours uh, to putting together this podcast. But of course, he has a job of running CBS thirteen in that sports department there. So I'm gonna stay on him. I'm gonna see if I can get him to. Uh, to jump into our little podcast world here. Uh, a couple of other notes before we get out of here. I have the feeling this is going to be a very eventful Monday. Uh, the NFL preseason, we talked about that last week, how it's been reduced from four games to two. Well, the NFL Players Association has said, yeah, cool, we'd rather not play those two games. We would rather that four be down to zero. Um, now, I don't know what... This is probably the wrong choice of words, but given that we're talking about the NFL Players Association, this is the word that I'll use. I don't know that they have the authority to go from four games to two, or I guess in this case, to go from two games to zero. Uh, But the NFL Players Association, they voted on Friday that the union's board of player representatives would rather just scrap the 2020 preseason games. And I don't think this has to do with the normal preseason game nonsense. This is strictly related to COVID-19, the pandemic, and how the NFL is going to have to navigate uh, this upcoming, you know, training camp is, you know, training camp is going to begin two days before NBA games are scheduled. So July, July 30th, NBA starts. All 32 teams should be reported by July 28th. Now, some start a little bit earlier, but virtually every team is in camp by July 28th. There might be one scraggler that starts the next day. But they, they, the players do not want these preseason games in effect uh, for this upcoming year. So the NFL still has a lot to figure out. I know that they've been able to kind of sit back with their feet up, watch this thing play out, figure it out along the way. I'm sure a month and a half ago, they thought they were going to open up their stadiums and let fans in. I still think that is a very, very likely possibility, uh, as, Ill, as, as, as ill-advised as I think that it is. I think it's a high possibility that we see it, especially in these giant football stadiums where you could still fit comfortably it might look weird you'll make 10,000 people really really happy if you're able to pull it off but I, I don't there's still a lot to figure out if you're the National Football League uh, first order of business though I think is taking care of this preseason thing uh, second order of business is laying out your protocols for uh, what training camp is going to look like and I know they've started to leak some of those protocols publicly but those are kind of the baseline protocols about things that you would expect regular testing daily testing um, but they haven't really addressed, like, our, our, I guess, I guess you know, training camp is going to be done through, you know, press conferences are going to be done through Zoom meetings, much like what uh, the NBA is doing right now. Um, man, it's just, it, it, it gets, you, you would think four and a half months into this that it would start to feel, okay, well, this is normal. It's weird, like, it, because every time something new happens, it feels weird. Every time I see, you know, that the De'Aaron Fox is doing a, 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 a meeting on the Internet, as opposed to a media scrum with people in front of him, and he's doing it from here in Sacramento at the Golden One Center. It's, uh, 
it's weird, man. It and it, it's just there. It absolutely feels not even remotely normal. And you would think after all of this time that it does. I appreciate you so much for tuning in. As always, if you're new to the show, hope you dug what you're listening to. Thanks for Marshall Harris. Uh, for joining us as well subscribe rate review leave those five stars if you think we're worth it uh, take an extra 45 to 60 seconds uh, to leave us a review as well check out patreon patreon.com dropped a new episode of be conscious uh, this past weekend you could go take a listen to that uh, patreon.com slash damien barling i thank you so much for tuning in here today and we'll see you back here tomorrow on the podcast with damien barling <laughs>